Why would a guy want to contribute to a website that is all about women? What's in it for him? At Women Offshore, we believe that in order to reduce the gender gap on the water, both men and women need to play an integral role. We have a few male contributors on the website. Today, I'm talking with one, Andrew Zimmerman, a merchant mariner, naval reserve officer, and historian. Andrew has largely contributed by writing historical pieces, showcasing the hardworking women who came before us. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is an online organization and resource center supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Here at Women Offshore, we do our best to honor the women who came before us. We believe their stories matter, and there are lessons learned within these stories we can all appreciate and learn from. When my team and I were designing the site, it was important to us that we pay respect to these women. On the website, you can read about Ida Lewis, awarded as the bravest woman in America for her duties as lighthouse keeper in the early 1800s. Harriet Pickens and Frances Wills, the first African-American women to be commissioned into the U.S. Navy. And the famous and formidable Mary Patton, who took command of her husband's ship, Neptune's car, in the mid-1800s, when he was too sick to do so. The early wave makers section is full of fascinating stories of heroes making waves. One of the contributors to this section is Andrew Zimmerman, an author of historical narratives, merchant mariner, and naval reserve officer. Andrew is also a published author whose titles include We Got Each Other Home, The Story of World War II's Legendary LST and Dreamsville, Denison During World War II. Andrew's background includes a bachelor's degree in marine transportation from the United States Merchant Marine Academy, and practical maritime experience on commercial vessels all over the world. He currently holds an unlimited tonnage third mate's license and is a lieutenant in the United States Naval Reserve. Andrew has a profound respect for history and women who have worked on the water. I'm so excited for him to be here. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for having me on, Allie. I appreciate it. So why did you decide to become a historian? For as long as I can remember, I have been interested in history. Dating back to elementary school, I, I was the kid that would uh, bring home books on President Kennedy or World War II, or I'd be found in the library reading about uh, World War One. So I, I've just always had this this passion, but I don't know. I put it off for years um, and, and always thought that I was meant to do something else. Um, and it took a long time to realize that this is really who I am and where I want to go. And uh, oddly enough, I, I realized that while I was while I was out at sea that this someday I want to I, I, on some level I teach history and I want to be a student of history. Um, you know, really for me, studying the past is really critical to who we are today. You know, by teaching this stuff, by by studying history itself. I get to really put myself back into, you know, these various time periods. And if I'm teaching, I get to put my kids back into these time periods. And, you know, even for just a few brief moments during class or at my house, I get to feel like I'm back in that time period and live like they live and understand what they were trying to go through. I've really tried to immerse myself in history. It doesn't matter what project that is, whether it's a book or an article, I just... 
Um, sometimes I like to listen to music on on different time periods. If I'm writing about World War II, it's got to be big band music. Uh, and I'm just so enthusiastic about what I do that it just doesn't really feel like work to me. I, I love, I truly love studying history. That's great to hear. Do you have a favorite part of history to write about? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, really, um, if anyone has ever talked to me or, or looked at any of my book collections or even read anything that I've written about, World War II is by far my number one theme or, or thing that I like to, to write about and study. But, you know, ships is the, the history of seafaring is right there as well. And I, I really think that's where my, my true niche lies. I, uh, with having the maritime background and already loving World War II and, and loving ships and stuff, I think they go real well together. You know, a lot of people tend to, to focus if they're studying a war, let's say, because wars tend to be a popular topic. Uh, for historians, you know, they, they mostly focus on, on the ground wars. That's why we see HBO series like the Pacific or we see Band of Brothers, but, uh, not a lot of people focus on, on the ships. Um, and so I like to, to focus on the thousands of ships, be it Merchant Marine or Coast Guard or Navy that had a part in our victory. Um, you know, to that point, my first book was about a decorated Coast Guard ship from World War II. Um, you know, in addition to the ships themselves, I try to focus my time on the people themselves and what made them tick, what, you know, what uh, struggles did they overcome and um, how did they make our country better? And I, I really think that's why I've enjoyed writing about famous female merchant mariners so much is because you get that. Uh, that inspiration from the from these women and their stories. Um, since I entered King's Point, I've had a love for all things Merchant Marine that I, I never even knew it existed before that, sadly. Um, but I I love anything related to the Merchant Marine, and I could honestly spend all of my time on that subject alone without ever even getting bored. Um, perhaps the thing that grabs me the most is is the personal story and just how sort of what I said before, how, how ordinary people um, tick and how they, they get called upon to do these extraordinary things um, that we can't even imagine. Um, and they overcome all of this adversity to do these incredible things. And it's that personal story that I love to study and love to write about. And I think that's that's really how readers can connect with, with what I'm writing about is through this personal story. So I really appreciate that on Women Offshore, we share a lot of personal stories. Some of that involves Me Too. Some of that involves challenges that we experience on the water. You are a male writer on a website about women. What do you think about that? That's a great question that, that I've thought about uh, many times. And I've actually talked about that with, with my wife um, because, you know, there, there has been a part of me uh, since we started this project that, you know, that has wondered that how, how would I be received really? Or, you know, would, would the audience really prefer that a woman write the articles that I do? I mean, maybe that, that sounds uh, odd uh, to think those things, but these concerns have been real for me just because I want to make sure that I, 
I always put my best foot forward that I honor these people and they see that I'm, I guess, there for the right reasons, you know. And But, you know, given the, the readership of my work so far, given those that have, have uh, read my work and have contacted me, I, I'd like to think that people can see that I'm making a real connection with these stories um, and that I just really enjoy what I do. When you invited me to be a part of this team, I, I didn't hesitate to join what we're doing here because I, I really think in the long run, not just now, but in the long run, that that this is going to be a crowning jewel of, of our industry, of the maritime industry, uh, because we're doing great work by honoring those that came before us, you know, through my early wave maker stories, but also, and more importantly, preparing the women that are there today or will be there in the future to be successful in a traditionally uh, male-dominated industry. And I, you know, I think there's a huge need for this website and for this movement. And, you know, it was important for me as a guy to put my weight of support behind it uh, and to, to help fight for change. And, you know, even though I, I consider my part of writing these historical stories to be small on the grand scheme of what we're trying to do here, um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to lend a voice to the famous women who came before us. I love so many of the articles you have written in our early wave maker section. Is there an early wave maker, a woman who came before all of us who has stuck out to you the most? Can you tell us a little bit more about her? I, I think, you know, one of the things I did want to mention is is that I've tried to, with each of these articles, just in a general sense, so that, you know, the readers can kind of understand where I'm coming from, is, you know, I don't want to just tell the story uh, because, you know, you could you could put that out there and almost seem like a biography of, of some sorts, but I, I, I really want to c connect their story and what they did in the past with principles to live by, really. And I, I hope that readers have gotten a sense of that, um, whether it's, uh, you know, we have courage, over, you know, in adversity or we have, you know, service above self. And, you know, uh, I, I do laugh because a lot of those ideas came to me uh, really easily because those were things that we were taught as soon as we, we got into the academy. But, um, you know, when you write on something, in general, uh, you know, each article or book sort of becomes like a like a child to you, uh, this this project. And it's sometimes hard to, to choose one as your favorite. But, um, you know, with that said, I, I think the early wave maker that stuck out the most to me would have to be uh, Miss Ida Lewis, which we featured last October, because this was the first real time that I started getting feedback from people on my work. And I think it was the article that allowed me to gain more readership. I think this is we kind of got things uh, snowballing in the in the right direction, you know, because, you know, for, for this story in itself, it's, you know, in a time when society assumed a woman could not perform such duties or maybe shouldn't perform such duties as as being in this maritime industry. She proved herself to be quite a rock star in her own right. And. Um, you know, when many others were rowing away from danger, she there she is rowing towards it in the late 1800s to rescue trapped sailors. And, um, you know, she even got the nickname of the bravest woman in America. Um, the fact that she saved so many sailors lives and even became so much of a celebrity that President Grant himself wanted to visit her on his vacation, mind you, uh, spoke volumes to me. If there's one real thing I've learned from from working for women offshore and writing these articles and I mean being married 
uh, for that matter. It's that women have this this universal ironclad constitution to do what's right no matter what. And, and maybe it's also a generational thing, too. You know, you can point to a lot of stories from the greatest generation that I would argue would be the same way. But, you know, I think that, you know, women overall have this idea to make sure the job is done, done right, uh, to step up in times uh, when things are, are against them. And I think a lot of my stories have, have shown that. And, and I think Ida Lewis was a great example of that. But, you know, the sad truth is that much of our history is catered to men and their achievements. And it's only been until, you know, somewhat recently that women are finally starting to get their due for all, all that they've, they've sacrificed. And, and I'm hoping that by writing this section for women offshore that it will shed a little light on some of these often forgotten heroes or heroines whose stories needed to be told. And I'm just glad to be the one that gets to do it. I am glad we're sharing these stories. I think it's so important. Can you tell us a little bit about what you plan on writing about next? Can you give us a sneak peek into what you are planning? Sure. Um, you know, I'm hoping uh, that by the time this airs, you know, you'll see some of the some of the fruition here to to some of my my projects. And I guess the the uh, the first thing is that during one of my recent articles, you know, we were contacted by a gentleman by the name of, of Don Horton, um, who unveiled a very interesting story about his family and his, his mother's contribution and really his entire family's contributions to the war effort in World War II. His entire family worked on coastal barges during the war, and it took a long time, but his mother was finally granted veteran status a few years ago uh, for her part in the Merchant Marine. And Part of that article that I wrote about was this idea that, and I hope a lot of people can get behind it, is trying to get veteran status for merchant mariners in general, let alone the women that put forth these efforts during World War II that just were unjustly forgotten about. And, you know, there have been a lot of efforts since World War II to try to get veteran status for merchant mariners. And... I tried to use the Clara Gordon main story as kind of a, a, a soapbox to say, hey, get out there, contact your representatives and uh, in Congress and in the Senate and try to get the ball rolling here and honor people like Don Horton's mother. And so uh, as a continuation to that uh, story and to that soapbox effort, I want to write about um, his his mother, you know, in addition to all of my future articles, I've been thinking about the possibility of, of starting a book project on all of the early wave makers that we have already featured and those that I plan on featuring in the future. And, you know, I have in mind to talk about the female mariners from the days of sail, the 17, 1800s, all the way up until, you know, some of the stories like the World War II stories and even those that were the first females that were admitted into our maritime academies and even the present day mariners that are out there like yourself. So I think there are so many great stories that need to be told. And I think a book of this magnitude is uh, is long overdue. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to read that. I am so excited for this book. And we will be showcasing that on Women Offshore whenever you have it ready. If someone wants to contact you about a woman 
who could be written about in our early wave maker section, how can they get a hold of you? My email address is Andy, A-N-D-Y-L-S-T-66 at gmail.com. And I'd, I'd be thrilled to hear from anyone, anybody that uh, has feedback on articles or uh, just, you know, uh, has a suggestion for a, a mariner that they might know about um, or just just getting in touch just to uh, just to talk about things. I'd be thrilled to hear from any of the readers out there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me on, Allie. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore Podcast, Episode 5. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Did you enjoy the show? Leave us a review or send us an email at hello at womenoffshore.org. On our next episode, you and I are going to hear from a merchant mariner who went back to sea after taking a break from her seagoing career to spend several years on land. What motivated her to head back offshore? How did that first hitch at Seago? You will hear all about it on the next episode of the Women Offshore podcast. Until then, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.